Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, the show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. Brought to you by Climate Change Realty. The only real estate brokerage that donates 50% of its net commissions to 501c3 nonprofit organizations dedicated to fighting climate change. Trisha, really nice to meet you. Delighted to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be talking to you today. And I'm really excited to be talking to you today. And what we always love to do is get the show started with a bit of background on who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing at the current moment. Sure. So um, nature and the environment and outdoor spaces have been really important to me since I was a kid. I grew up in South Florida, so it's a very like lush tropical environment and um it just became increasingly important to me as I got older. Um, I started my career on the for-profit side um, in advertising, um, and that wasn't the best fit for me. And I, I previously didn't connect too much with conservation, but around the time I was looking for a bit of a career change, I started doing some nonprofit with some environmental um, nonprofits in Texas. And um, basically decided to go into the nonprofit world and specifically into more environmental spaces. And so I'm here at here at South Face today as marketing communications and manager. Very, very cool. Uh, did you go to like college or study like marketing somewhere? Yeah, I, I got my um, undergrad from University of Georgia. Um, and I did a postgraduate um, program in Atlanta from this um, school called the Creative Circus, which deals with um, the creative side of advertising. And just and so did, did like a copywriting, like a writing kind of path there. Oh, very cool. How did you find yourself in Texas? Um, I just, I moved out there. I was married at the time and job of a spouse. So, uh, just gotcha. went out there for a few years and then eventually decided to move back to Atlanta. I couldn't stay away from the East coast. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't get away quick enough, but I was from the <laughs> North, the Northeast, not, yeah. not the Southeast. I've never really even been there. I've been to Florida a couple of times, but, uh, Jersey life ain't for me. Um, no. so you said you're from, you're from South Florida. Yes. Um, and this, so where, where exactly in South Florida? Um, kind of like west of Hollywood, which is in the general vicinity of like Fort Lauderdale. Um, so just a, a kind of small town called Cooper City. <laughs> and like, and you, you said since you were a young child, you've always been interested in like nature, the environment. Any so why why like dedicate specifically your career to that, or was it more about just working in like the the nonprofit space where you're kind of spending your time giving rather than like you know for profit trying to find a way to monetize everything? Yeah, um, it was yeah, it was definitely a big part of it. Was um, yeah, it, it was kind of both of those things because I did want to do something where I felt like my work, like I was working towards something more meaningful um, to like drive more meaningful action and give back um, in that way. And yeah, since I just had this love for nature, was a big gardener, was getting involved in volunteering and like learning all this all these things about watersheds and um, all sorts of craziness that I um, 
that I wanted to kind of pair the two. And that's been, that's been a really cool journey. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I love it. And it, it's all relevant to, to you know, the, the way the world works. You know, there's a lot of different crazy parts to it, but mm-hmm. um, we can all have a positive impact. And, and I'm thinking about this idea of like Southern hospitality. Is there like a, more of a tendency to like for people to be interested in giving back? Because I know I'm having Bruce Deal on the show here soon, who's the founder of uh, City of Refuge, which is like one of my favorite nonprofits, completely outside of the environmental space. And he's just give, 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 give all the time. I wonder if you grew up around that culture a lot and in, in specifically growing up in the southern southeast of the U.S. Well, South Florida is not very southern in okay. um, <laughs> in character. I mean, my mom's from Miami. My dad's from Long Island. Um, so uh, <laughs> wasn't very traditionally southern there, although I've been in Georgia, I think, long enough to be pretty southern by my own right. But um, I, I don't in all the places I've been, I mean, there is a strong nonprofit and philanthropic community here. And we do have a couple um, big organizations based down here. Um, I My previous position was at Boys and Girls Clubs of America, and they're, you know, based here. And um, I think Susan G. Komen and American Cancer Society. So um, we have a lot of a nonprofit presence and just a lot of um, – and but most places you go, I think that you find – there are donors and there are supporters and there are people who want to give and want to be involved um, just about anywhere. So um, we like we like working with all of them. I, I love that. That's great. Yeah, I'm so disappointed. I really never got to see like the, the Southeast at all. So before we get into talking about South Face, I just wanted to touch on your volunteer experience with the Sierra Club and like what exactly you do with when you're volunteering your time for this organization. Yeah, so... Um, Prior to COVID, I did a lot more like tabling. I've been there involved in a lot of um, a diff- a lot of different environmental issues. Like you know, they're they're involved in the energy and coal and and all these kinds of spaces as well. But the volunteering I did kind of centered around the um, wildlands and wildlife part of it. So um, now I am the co-chair of the. Georgia Chapters um, Wildlands and Wildlife Committee. So we just kind of host regular meetings and have um, speakers on different topics. And then we we do kind of like grassroots organizing on issues like, you know, protecting the Okefenokee Swamp from mining and um, exciting things like that. <laughs> well, first off, thank you. I appreciate you for doing that because nature can't volunteer for itself. So that I appreciate that a lot. And um, yeah, second off, I'm just happy to get into explaining what your, your primary job is because you're also working for a nonprofit. So yes. can you tell me a bit about what South Face Institute is? South Face Institute um, is a sustainable building and community development nonprofit. So we're about mid-size, about 40 people. We're based in Atlanta. We have a new satellite location in Sarasota, Florida, but we really do work. We do work a lot in the Southeast, but we do it nationally and even internationally. Um, and basically it's, it's work that has to do with residential buildings, commercial buildings, um, civic, uh, civic serving community serving buildings, I'll say, cause we also work 
you know, we have a variety of programs. Some are kind of paid services where we'll do like building, um, we'll certify a, a apartment complex or something like that for, um, for a specific green building certification program. Um, but we also have programs that are more like um, supporter funded, um, like our good use program gives a lot of money or gives money and technical assistance to other nonprofits like food banks and youth centers and schools and things like that so that they can make energy efficiency um, and sort of like climate resiliency upgrades. So it reduces their utility costs. And when they have those savings and the utility costs, then they can reinvest those into, you know, serving more people in their core mission. So we, we just do a variety and we, we work on city planning. We work on advocacy for like energy um, and utility issues and things like that. So basically anything to do with buildings and the built environment and how that can have a positive effect on the natural environment is where we are. And that's a huge space. Obviously, people might think that climate change realty is a little bit involved in that. Um, I'm not too super educated, actually, on energy efficiency in buildings, but I'm very interested in the idea of carbon positive buildings, which is actually uh, buildings that are so efficient that they're drawing down CO2 emissions. But obviously, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, do you know about the um, the founder of the organization and how it came about initially? Yeah, so it, it we formed in Atlanta in 1978. And it was just a group of people celebrating an event that they called um, Sun Day um, to celebrate solar energy and got together in a local park. Um, it was about 100, just grassroots group of people. Um, they decided to keep working together and became the Georgia Solar Coalition briefly. Um, but after that, we had... With, you know, the more we were working in this um, place, we were, we kind of expanded the scope of what we did. So it wasn't just about solar energy, that it was also about, you know, indoor air quality and mm. buildings as a whole and um, utilities in general and, and advocacy. And so that's where kind of South Face has its roots. Yeah. Then... Where we live is so, so important. It affects all our thoughts and minds, especially now more than ever when so many people are working from home. I mean, most of the people I talk to, I think are filming their episodes from their bedrooms or in their living room. So it's so, so important right now. Um, I wondered if you could speak a bit to the connection between income and inequity and environmental issues and then kind of explain how, how, well, I think we all know housing is so essential to that. You know, people always say, um, I got to put food on the table, but housing is the, by far the biggest expense that we have. So it's like the biggest way to, to, uh, positively implement or in affect this, this problem. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not always immediately apparent the effect that some of these like environmental concerns have on things like um, yeah in you know income and wealth inequities and and affordability and things like that, but like if you make affordable housing, 
and it's extremely inefficient and it's not working well. There are mold on the pipes. There are, um, you know, it, it's, you can basically hear the wind through the eaves and, um, and you're paying so much money for your energy bills. Like, is that really affordable housing if you can't mm-hmm. afford to live in it? Even if you can afford to buy it, like, can you afford to live there? Can you afford to make your environment like a comfortable environment inside so that you can have, you know, a warm house when it's cold outside, a cold house when it's hot outside? And the people, the inequities kind of build off of each other. Um, because of the disinvestment that people have experienced based on um, race, especially in socioeconomic status, make it so that like these communities experience the burdens of climate change more heavily. So uh, there was a recent study that looked at a bunch of different um, cities and neighborhoods that had been redlined in the past were a full five degrees hotter than other neighborhoods um, because they're just so paved over um, and with lots of trees and green space taken out and lots of like pollutants and that kind of stuff brought in. So it's actually like a hotter environment with like older homes that are more susceptible to um, extreme weather events and things like that. So there are just a lot of ways in which like it's it's great if somebody with a million dollar house wants to make it like the most energy efficient, like coolest, um, you know, most smallest footprint that you can. Like we definitely want to see that. But um, I think at South Face with the work we do, we really want to see that is like not a luxury, but is something that really benefits people economically and just in their lives and their health and um, that's affordable and accessible to everybody. I think we all realize and can conceptualize that that's, that's something worth striving towards. It's, it's almost strange that it's not the norm now that that people have to live in these poor run, uh, poor people have to live in these rundown buildings. But I guess I I do think about how to realistically orient the markets to account for something like this without just trying to rely on the government to provide funding. Like it's always private developers creating these buildings. So what incentives do they have to create affordable housing? You know. Yeah. So that's one of the. That's one of the advantages I feel that South Face has being in the nonprofit space is because a lot of the programs we have can go toward um, funding things that might otherwise not be as easy to pursue, but also a little bit more in some other ways, like we develop we have our own green building certification programs um, like Earthcraft and Bit Building, which focuses on existing buildings and is really focused on builders. A lot of the things we do are um, just creating more affordable 
options for green building certifications and for builders and developers to do these things and training the workforce to be able to rate and offer these services. Um, And at the same time, um, our advocacy work is, um, you know, you work to get more tax credits and stuff like that so that the situation is kind of supportive of and the the codes, the requirements that we have for everybody are, um, are that the standards are up to par and, um, and that there are incentives from, from the government and from other nonprofits and community partners um, to make this happen. That makes sense. That may, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm like very focused on, market-based solutions because I think they can scale quickly and efficiently. But um, there's just no doubt that the, the the state of affairs right now requires government assistance and nonprofit organizations to exist, else they would not. But um, let's talk about Earthcraft certification because that's a particularly cool thing that South Face is doing. I wonder if you could elaborate on that a lot. Yeah. So Earthcraft is one um, – it's really unique in that it's a program – that we co-created with the Atlanta Home Builders Association. Um, so it's an incredibly like builder-focused program that um, it's specific to the um, it's specific to the Southeast. Although I think the whole um, partnership with the Home Builders Association is a very repl- replicable model. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it, it is, it's a green building certification that's really tailored for, um, single family residential, multifamily and commercial for them to be able to affordably reach a green building standard to either, um, kind of be in line with the city's code requirements or to get a tax credit or just to, um, make a house more marketable and appealing to buyers. So when a building is Earthcraft certified, what does that mean about its like carbon footprint or ecological footprint? Um, It means that it meets certain standards for, um, for energy efficiency, for water efficiency and usage. um, And, um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, it, it, it has, yeah, it just has your components of how, of performance to, and it just says that it meets a certain set of standards and has been third party verified mm-hmm. um, as a particular level of performance. Yeah, well, that's great. Uh, the, the more, the more of that we can have, the better. I, I, it, I mean, it's a confusing, it's a confusing thing. You know, we, um, we had an entire episode talking about how to green a, a single family house. And he's talking about, I mean, I don't even remember all the things he was talking about, putting solar on the roof and replacing the different ovens. And then, you know, eventually he removed the gas line. And it's just not something that the average person even thinks about, though we all either rent a dwelling or purchase a dwelling at some point, it's hard to really keep an eye on all these things. And then these cert- this certification, it's, it's great to be able to be like, oh, 
it's certified. We're good. I don't need to figure out how that thing works. You know, it's just, it just is what it is. Um, I'm wondering how much like adoption you're seeing of, of these, of these earthcraft certifications, um, in Atlanta, specifically around multifamily and, uh, residential, because that's obviously, you know, I, I sell condos and houses. So I'm curious, like how many, how many, how many people are interested in it? You know? Um, we see a lot of interest in it. Um, in, in very different places and throughout the Southeast, um, even though it's with the greater um, Atlanta Home Builders Association, it's also a certification that's um, accepted for code compliance in um, surrounding states as well and for tax incentives. Absolutely. There are specific earthcraft builders who are taking on projects as already certified earthcraft. Is that right? Yeah, there are earthcraft builders and there are earthcraft technical advisors. Um, so at South Face, we, we help administer the program, but we also have the ability to, um, to rate these homes as well and, and certify them. But there are also third-party builders and there are third-party raters and technical advisors who aren't part of South Face but have gone through some of our workforce development stuff and um, who've gone through our workforce development and are able to do that as well. What else are like the other big projects that South Face is taking on beyond the Earthcraft certification? We actually do. One of the interesting things is also the combination of this program of these programs and um, like advocacy efforts and city planning, because mm-hmm. a lot more cities these days are making 100% renewable energy commitments. And a lot due to like demand that's really been driving for some of these solutions. A lot of cities are now incorporating sustainability really heavily into their code. And that's what kind of like helps push demand for some of the other programs that are like green certification. So we help, so we advise on plans. So like we, we advise, we're advising on the sustainability plan for city of Decatur, which is in Metro Atlanta and helping them um, get, we're like leading community engagement sessions and things like that to help deliver a sustainability plan for the city as we have in other surrounding cities um, that, so that's a big part of our work. We also just do advocacy and a lot of um, policy stuff on a larger level. Like right now, every three years, Georgia uh, goes through the integrated resource planning um, process where Georgia Power, you know, our biggest supplier in the state decides on their 20-year plan for what kind of investments and utilities that they make, like what they're going what they're going to, which coal plants they might shut down, you know, whether solar is accessible and what kind of programs are available and to who. And so we've been hosting a series of workshops on that to help people advocate for um, for that. IRP for the integrated resource plan to be one that really benefits Georgians and benefits um, people. And um, and how many of these advocates are volunteers versus like actually employed by South Face? 
Um, well, we, our staff leads the advocacy efforts, but with the community engagement, um, we have a lot of just people from the public who we kind of work with to advocate. We do get, we do get volunteers and we especially have volunteers at um, our Sarasota location at the Florida house which was actually the first green demonstration house and building in the United States. And um, so even though they do a lot of like the core um, South Face program down there, they also have this really cool green demonstration building. So a lot of times down there, we'll get a lot of volunteers like helping do work around the gardens and learning and doing internships and putting in a lot of volunteer hours, maintaining um, everything and that kind of thing. Can you tell me a little bit more about the Florida house as I thought South Face was specifically based in uh, Georgia? Well, our headquarters is there. Um, So the Florida house um, was also formed in the 70s, but was just a separate organization that was made to be just a green building home um, and gardens to show people in the area how to like manage storm water, which is, you know, a very important um, thing for water quality in the bays down there. Um, And, you know, see, be able to see in practice solar and um, these other environmental things in place. And they, we had started, South Face had started doing um, a bunch of work in Sarasota, and it just, the partnership kind of came together as one that seemed really natural and uh, mutually beneficial. So in 2020, the Florida House became part of South Face Sarasota, um, or part of South Face, so that that's our second physical location. Yeah. So I, I was just curious since South Face has been around for, uh, for 42 years, what like the main biggest accomplishments were. And then like if the founders are like kind of satisfied with the way things have gone uh, with the organization thus far. Yeah. I think some of the, the biggest accomplishments um, are we've our, our space at our headquarters is actually mm-hmm. one that we worked with um, the city of Atlanta to be near the kind of like the civic center and um, our our eco office demonstrates a lot of green poss- uh, green technology. So the building in and of itself um, as a demonstration place has been a, a huge accomplishment. We have earned several awards for our city planning efforts and our contributions to some of those for some sustainability plans that we've gone nearby and through things like our good use program um, that, you know, gives funding and technical assistance to nonprofits that um, we've been able to help um, our grantees have achievements, which feel like our achievements too. Like What, uh, What is that? Grantees? Oh, grantees. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because uh, we money give them too. grant funding and technical assistance. And um, they, so like one of the recent ones that we worked on was the SAE school, which is a K, I believe it's K through 12, or maybe it's K through 8. 
think mm-hmm. it's K through 12. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> um, it is a school over here that focuses on um, science uh, ed- and engineering and art. And we helped them become the first 100% solar school in the country so Whoa. that they can enjoy the savings from that and invest them in their their students. That's cool. That seems like an interesting space to get involved with as far as like zero carbon buildings is that, yeah, I don't know how much funding there is in schools, but um, huh. well, that's really cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, before we kind of sign off, I did want to cover the... Um, the energy star rating. Cause I think I've seen that on like washing machines or maybe on like a water heater or something, but I know that South face does a, a, a training on energy star. So I wonder if you could kind of cover that a little bit here. Yeah. Well, most people think of energy star as appliances and things like that, but right. they actually have um, a program that's gaining a lot of traction. That's about energy star rated homes and buildings. They have a single family and a multifamily um, thing. And they just kind of created, they're, they're creating more stringent requirements to where everyone that works on an Energy Star rated home needs to be certified to be working on an Energy Star rated home. So as part of our trainings that we offer, that's one where we help people get certified to the latest and greatest so that they can um, work on these sorts of homes and offer it to their clients. And similarly, um, we, we have all sorts of trainings, like we do duct and envelope tightness trainings so that people can do those kinds of services and rate them. And we do... Um, HERS rating, HERS rater trainings are a real popular one. That stands for um, home home energy rating system where people can verify that um, that that is. So building up the green workforce is definitely a big part of what we do. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I was talking to some guy the other day when I was out knocking doors and he said he had like a HERS score of like negative 16. So that apparently, it means that his his building is, is producing more energy than it consumes is it not yeah i, I mean I, I think and then as far as the energy star goes is, could you like become energy star rated and then have like a bad score or if, like could you have like one star or it's, i guess someone wouldn't do that how does that work i don't think so uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay um yeah i mean because it 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 just means that it has to adhere to a certain set of standards um so yeah in some of these ratings too um we used to do more in person which there are many advantages to that but we've also you know since covid have been doing a lot more online and these live online trainings so what's really good for something like hers raider training or energy star training is that you don't have to be in atlanta to take the training um yep. it's a standard that's used across the entire country um and so people anywhere can really take that and learn from it yeah, sounds like something I, I might need to get into as a climate change realtor. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, last questions in regards to advocacy. 
Um, what are your thoughts on how we can convince people and governments that like a state more sustainable economies or buildings are like essential for a healthy society and then kind of speed up this implementation of this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a typical answer, but like talk to your representatives. Hell yeah. No, hell I, yeah. I feel like, you know, they, they respond very strongly when they hear that there's a demand for these sorts of things. Um, so the more that the more that you're demanding it as a person and a consumer and a constituent, um, the more they're going to be able to make those changes like um, like the infrastructure bill we did a um, that that is something that we we you know, tried to inspire a lot of um, involvement in. And then when it came out, we held a federal, uh, a workshop for how to use that federal funding at the state level. So um, we're definitely always looking at getting people more involved. Yeah. And the cool thing about getting involved is there's always multiple different ways to do it. Now, people who followed the show for a long time might know I'm not a huge fan of working with the government, but whatever piece that you're willing to do is objectively beneficial to society. And, and I, I always try to harp on this idea that taking action really does make a difference, whether it's your career, your volunteering time, or taking time to volunteer and calling your representative and be like, hey, I really care about this issue. And we were talking to the executive director of Citizens Climate Lobby trying to be like, hey, like, what difference does it make if I call my representative and tell them something like they're just looking out for whatever. And he's and he's like, he's like, no, like it really they, they are they're there to serve us. Now, some might do a better job than others, but um, it still really does does make a difference. So, uh, Trisha, thank you for saying that. I appreciate you taking some time to come on the show. I always love to ask people at the end any advice they have for young folks who are passionate about creating this better world that we all want to see. Yeah, um, well, I, I think just. I feel like the earth will just take whatever it can get. So, you know, while you should always try to do more, um, regardless of your situation, regardless of you can dedicate your entire career to like environmentalism and climate change, like that's awesome if you can do that. But if you can just like make a few phone calls to a representative or even just like post about issues and news related to this on your social media channels. Like if that's what you have the capacity to do, it's just important that you do something and that you find the avenues that are right for you where you can, you know, get out there and make a difference. That's absolutely right. And we could use your help y'all. Um, so Trisha, thank you so much for taking your time. I appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, everybody. See you soon. So if you or anyone else you know is looking to buy or sell a home anywhere in the USA and would like to create thousands of dollars in donations without any cost out of pocket, please visit ccrboulder.com today.